means we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings, Voice of America listeners. This is VOA Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the January 31st edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. On Wednesday's show, we'll continue our special coverage of the 34th Africa Cup of Nations football tournament, or AFCON, in Ivory Coast. The field is now set for the quarterfinals. Let's take a look at the matchups. On Friday, there are two games in the Ivorian commercial capital of Abidjan. Nigeria will play Angola, and that will be followed by a match between Guinea and the Democratic Republic of Congo. On Saturday, there are AFCON quarterfinal matches in Boake and Yamasukro Ivory Coast. In Boake, Ivory Coast will host Mali, and in Yamasukro, Cape Verde will play South Africa. In AFCON results Tuesday, South Africa upset Morocco 2-0 in San Pedro, Ivory Coast. And Mali beat Burkina Faso 2-1 in Corhogo, Ivory Coast. Joining us once again for more AFCON insights is VOA Nations Cup reporter Muckbill Yabaro. Sporty AFCON greetings, Muckbill. Sporty AFCON greetings, Sonny. What's going on? Muckbill, such an AFCON of surprises and upsets. And they continued on Tuesday. Bafana, Bafana, pulling off a huge upset over Morocco, the 2022 World Cup semifinalist. Now, we'll recap the goals by Evidence Magopa and Tebaho Mokena, but let's uh, also begin late in the match, Muck Bill. So much drama. The star defender for Morocco, Ashraf Hakimi, steps up to the penalty spot in the 85th minute, and he crashes the ball up against the crossbar and despair for the Moroccans. To be honest with you, Sonny, it was one of the most devastating moments, not only for Moroccans, because you got to understand, Morocco um, beating Zambia is what allowed Les Elephants, the Ivorians, to make it through. So some of my friends on the ground, colleagues on the ground there, have let me know that watching the game, the entirety of Ivory Coast was rooting for uh for for Morocco and when that happened you couldn't even feel that there were any Moroccan fans in the stadium it was just complete and utter uh you know shock that somebody with that pedigree you know uh like Ashraf Hakimi who is known to usually go to that um that penalty spot and is very clinical from that spot uh misses and as soon as he took the kick you could kind of see it was already leaning heavily upward you may have thought he could potentially hit the bottom end of the crossbar mm. and it just go in but it kind of just was just a little bit too high. He was shocked. The rest of the players were shocked. And, you know, we could make the argument and say, hey, if that goes in, that's 1-1. The trajectory of the game changes, right? Exactly. 
So the way that they defend, the way that they finish the game off is a completely different game. Uh, potentially, maybe Sofian Amrabat does not get uh, red carded and leave because of that frustration that he was feeling that led to that you know unnecessary shove or that shoulder uh, to 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 the South African striker. So um, you know stuff like that when it happens really shows you that hey this is a game these are players it's not guaranteed you know when the VAR made that choice uh to to get the penalty kick people were celebrating as if it was an automatic goal right, and that's right. not the case so uh it always reminds us that you know there is still a person a goalkeeper that is in front of that goal <laughs> that you have to try to you know maneuver around but bill i think you could say that Evidence proved, yes, evidence proved that the opening goal was scored by South Africa. VAR enters the picture. Uh, evidence, Magopa, uh, a lot of people thought he might have been up uh, offside, but then VAR comes into play. Uh, your, your thoughts on that? I've said this time and time again, Sonny, VAR and officiating in general has been spectacular in this tournament. Um, when we really look at the usage of how they're using VAR in this tournament, it's something that really can be used across the board for all major tournaments and club games. Um, I'm just seeing that you know officials are just making sure that they're they're making the right decision they're taking their time to look at the the ex, like taking that little bit of extra time to make sure that the call and the decision that they're making is the right decision i'll even give you another example if we're not even thinking about the goals scored or the potential uh pk the pk that could have been a potential goal uh for morocco the sofian amrabat uh foul initially was a second yellow card okay var uh, referee goes to VAR to to look at it, and people are thinking that he may uh, take back that yellow card and get uh, Amrabat back into the game. But in actuality, takes back the yellow card and gives him a straight red because he looks at it and it says, "No, that was a it was not a football play. That was a shoulder that he dipped onto the striker." had nothing to do with. He had no chance in stopping the ball or the possession, and he was the last line of defense. Automatic red card. Great call, but it's like. Some folks were saying, though, because the two yellows gave him a red, was this, like, what was the real need for the switch? Just wasted a little bit more time. But nonetheless, I still think that, you know, accountability, still going back, looking at it, and making the right decision still shows us that VAR and officiating has been excellent in this tournament. Muckbill, Morocco was the last North African team left in this tournament uh, where do they go now from here? Wow. Uh, Morocco definitely has a core team that I think will still be good to go in the next AFCON uh, in the next two years. Which they'll host. Which they'll be hosting. I'm pretty sure they'll still be relatively in that favorite category. Uh, all depends on how they do in the World Cup qualifiers that are still coming, right, uh, in the middle of the year. Um, and, and friendlies across the the next couple of tournaments. So I'm pretty sure that Morocco will still be up there uh, going into them hosting not only the AFCON, but they'll also be hosting the next World Cup, um, right? The one after uh, the the U.S., uh, Mexico, and Canada one. They'll be hosting it alongside Spain and Portugal. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, they got some, you know, their infrastructure, uh, Sonny, as we, we've mentioned in the past, the infrastructure uh, for the game of football has always been there for Morocco. So uh, I'm pretty sure that they're going to keep this core they got a bunch of young, talented, 
talented players that I'm sure will be in peak form moving forward and you're not going to want to feel this feeling this thing right this is the same feeling that i'm sure spain and portugal felt when morocco knocked them out right you are expected to be the winner or you're expected to go further in a competition and you don't we saw what happened with senegal right they did not expect to lose to ivory coast some of the players just had an inability to leave the field they couldn't they, process they, it. they had to be carried out so i think that you know sometimes uh this is a life lesson moving forward that i don't think they'll want to feel again <laughs> <laughs> i'm sunny young and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on the voice of america I'm talking with my colleague and ace Nations Cup reporter, Muckbill Yabaro, about the 34th edition of African football's premier tournament. Let's focus on Bafana, Bafana, Muckbill. The two goal scorers on uh, Tuesday, Magopa and Mokena, both products of the domestic league in South Africa. Magopa for the Orlando Pirates, Mokena, Mamalodi Sundowns. And most of this Bafana Bafana squad plays domestically. Your thoughts? Huge, huge. What that means is, for the most part, the entirety of the team, the makeup of the team, continually see each other, whether it's in competition or playing alongside each other as teammates in their respective South African league, right? So what that means is, you now understand what this player brings to the field. You see them a lot. There's camaraderie with the teammates. And then if if you're going up against, for instance, if I'm a striker, if I'm a right winger, I'm going up against this left back every single chance we play maybe once or twice a year. I'm, I'm watching how they play. If this is a top team in the league, I'm watching film on these players. So not only do I have an understanding of what they do when I'm not playing with them, when I play with them, we have this level of chemistry because it's that same core group. So we talk about this in all sports across the board. When you have a, a national team that has a core group that play together often or are around each other often, that chemistry cannot be rebuilt. You got a team like a Morocco or a Senegal, heavy hitting teams, but these players only come together to play together when they, you know, play in these AFCON tournaments or friendlies for their countries or in the World Cup. Whereas these other players are seeing each other in other, you know, club competitions more often. So chemistry is something that cannot be, you know, you you can't overlook it sometimes we tend to think you know put the greatest players of all time uh, on one collective team and then expect them to to do miracles it's not really the case because if i don't know where you're going to be because we don't play together often it's going to be it's going to take us a little while longer than the two to three weeks that we may have had for the setup of this tournament right right yeah well let's go look at the stats from uh that match between uh morocco and south africa muck bill break it down for us it looks like uh south africa clinical in, in finishing 60 percent from their shots they took five shots and three of their shots were on target. Mm. That's unbelievable. That number is something like you don't really see that. That means that, like you said, clinical from the last third. Uh, you look at Morocco, 13 shots and two shots on target. Um, and on top of that, you know, folks were saying, we were talking about this off air, arguably one of the better goals uh, in the tournament was scored by Mukwena, right? Um, that free kick is going up against Yassine Bonu, 
who was just last year the best goalie in Europe, mm. right? Now he plays in the Saudi Pro League. I think he's Af- uh, the reigning African goalkeeper. Absolutely. He, he is a tremendous goalkeeper. And for him to, you know, literally be able to do nothing against that, you know, that free kick shows you how great some of these players are that we really don't get to see often because these clubs are not as watched worldwide, you know? Um, that That's a free kick that when I'm looking at it, I'm not thinking that this is a player who plays for a South African club. This is just an elite free kicker, right? So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, this AFCON, if it does one thing is not only highlight the, the game and the tournament, but highlight and give some of these players a chance and opportunity to play, you know, in some of these bigger clubs as well. Muckbill, the 71-year-old head coach for South Africa, the Belgian Hugo Bruce, quoted after that thrilling victory over Morocco, uh, telling his players, let's dream of the final uh, here at this AFCON. Let's lift that trophy. It's been almost 30 years since South Africa uh, did lift a trophy at the Nations Cup. They won it in 1996. But take our sunny side of sports listeners uh, along the road. Bafana Bafana has taken Muckbill to get to this stage, the last eight. Absolutely, Sonny. So when we're just looking at Bafana Bafana, they in their group stages, they uh, I like to say went through all the emotions that you can go through, right? So what they did was in their very first game, they took a loss. That really, you know, it was against Mali, and Mali is still in competition, and they have shown themselves to be one of the most, uh, I would say, the most consistent team. You know, uh, a lot of people were looking at them as a potential dark horse to win the entire tournament. So they've lived up to their expectations, uh, and they finished in that group um, at the top, I believe. Yeah, they finished in Group E at the top. So, you know, they take that first initial loss 2-0, you know, you wipe yourself off of the loss sometimes and you right. go back into it and think to yourself, look, it's just, that's only one game. Let me go into a game two. Game two, they play Namibia. They beat Namibia 4-0. What a turnaround, you know, switching the goal differential. You know, you you're, you you go down 2-0, you flip it 4-0, now you're plus two. So you're, <laughs> you're feeling pretty comfortable about yourself. And then you go up against Tunisia in your last game. If you lose to Tunisia... You potentially now have to wait and see if you can make it through as a third seed, right? You just need a draw. The fate is in your hands. Either a draw or a win, and they hold Tunisia to a draw, 0-0, and punch their ticket to the next round. Uh, So South Africa has shown, you know, all the emotions, a win, a loss, a draw, they said, we, we like the feeling of the wins, so we, <laughs> we want to win, you know, and why not? Just because uh, Morocco is, is favored does not mean that they have any kind of advantage over us. We can win, and no point in that game that I was watching did you think to yourself that they felt as though they couldn't hang. Mm, mm. That's a great thing, right? Mentality is key. Psyche is key. If you tell yourself and that team, you know, and I'm sure Coach, uh, if I'm not mistaken, also won with uh, Cameroon. Cameroon. Won with Cameroon, uh, AFCON a couple years back. He's just instilled into this team. Look, you guys are just as good. You may not have the big names uh, that some of these players have, the, the Hakimis of the world, but you guys are just as good. And they've proved themselves. And 
they, if I'm not mistaken, they also beat Morocco uh, not too long ago. The last time these two teams clashed, it was relatively recent. Uh, maybe in like June, uh, mid-year last year, they, they, they beat Morocco. Uh, so Morocco has not taken very many losses since the uh, the World Cup, but South Africa was one of them. Uh, yeah, amazing, amazing job for Bafana Bafana. I'm Sonny Young, and you're listening to a special edition of the Sunny Side of Sports, focusing on the Africa Cup of Nations football tournament. And I'll continue my AFCON chat with my VOA colleague, Mukbil Yabaro. But first, let's take a break for these programming announcements and the 2023 African Footballer of the Year. Sporty greeting, this is Victor Simeon, Super Eagles of Nigeria and Napoli FC Forward. You're listening to the sunny side of thoughts on The Voice of America. the sunny side of sports on facebook x formerly known as twitter and at voaafrica.com my facebook address is facebook.com forward slash voa sunny my x formerly known as twitter handle is at voa sunny sports and if you go to voaafrica.com you can listen online to the sunny side of sports as well as past episodes Check out VOAAfrica.com for lots of Africa news. For world news, go to VOANews.com. I'm chatting with Muckbill Yabaro about the Africa Cup of Nations football tournament. Muckbill, we have a flock of eagles in the quarterfinals. We have the Super Eagles from Nigeria, and we have the Eagles of Mali, who beat Burkina Faso on Tuesday 2 1. Uh, your thoughts on that match? Yeah, um, Mali was just, uh, man, they were surgical from all parts of the game, really. Uh, if you look at the stats, we're just. 14 shots. Granted, they weren't that great on target, but they had four shots on target. Uh, 56% ball possession to 44 for Burkina Faso. Um, they had 81% on pass accuracy. The game was very physical. 19 to 18 fouls on both sides. Uh, no red cards. Um, but for the most part, really what kind of set Burkina Faso back was the fact that they had an own goal uh, three minutes into the game by Edmund uh, Tasoba. Unfortunately, you know, because of that, the game ends 2-1. If, if he doesn't, you know, get that own goal, uh, it's 1-1. So who knows what happens in extra time or potential PKs as we've seen already, uh, you know, Senegal being knocked out uh, in PKs uh, with Ivory Coast. So I wouldn't say it was one of their more dominant performances by Mali, but they've just been really consistent, right? Uh, if we just look back to see what their pathway has been like uh, to get to where they've gotten to, 
first game they go up against Bafana. Bafana, we just spoke about, beat them, uh, you know, 2-0. Then they, they played Tunisia, uh, and, and it was a 1-1 draw. Uh, a lot of people say that, you know, Tunisia was lucky to get that draw. Uh, Should have been a win for Mali, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Then Namibia and Mali go 0-0. Uh, and then, as we just mentioned, 2-1 against uh, Burkina Faso. So they have uh, their next matchup will be up against uh, Ivory, Ivory Coast, Coast uh, the host nation. It's going to be a challenge. Uh, like I said, they've yet to, to lose in the tournament. Uh, maybe if they can, you know, keep that in mind and just do what they've done. Uh, unfortunately for them, though, they can't end this game in a draw. So <laughs> either you win or you lose. And Ivory Coast has a lot of momentum uh, going into this game. That Mali-Ivory Coast match will be played on Saturday. Let's move to Friday's quarterfinals, Muckbill. Nigeria versus Angola. Uh, how do you see that one? Whoa. To me, it's one of the better... Uh, better matched uh, teams, I think. I like their playing styles. They're both very physical, fast, athletic teams. Uh, their, their playing styles are relatively similar. But I will say this, though. Angola has been very, very efficient from inside the box. So uh, Victor Osiman and the team have a lot to, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, they, they have their hands full with this Angolan side. They're not going to be easy to beat. Um I don't think a lot of people had expected Angola to be where they are as well. Uh, so they kind of have that chip on their shoulder. But if we just look at, you know, what this uh, quarterfinals are looking like, Nigeria is the only team that folks may have expected to still be here. Like, if, if we're looking at it. Uh, in terms of pedigree. In, in terms of pedigree, absolutely. You know, the Senegals, the Moroccos, the Cameroons, you know, Ivory Coast, I would still say that folks may have expected them to be here, but I think people would have expected them to be here maybe as a higher seed, uh, you know, uh, maybe coming in at that second or first seed in their group and not necessarily coming in as they did. Uh, but nonetheless, they're still here. Uh, look at Cape Verde. You got South Africa, Angola, uh, DRC. Uh, you got Guinea. Mali and Ivory Coast. So Mali, I think, was still expected to be here as well, but not on the level of that Nigeria. And from a language perspective, Muckbill, I, I think this might be the first time mm -hmm. two Portuguese-speaking African teams, uh, Angola and Cape Verde, have made it to so the final eight uh, at, at the uh, Nations Cup. Uh, just in terms of how surprising this tournament has been with the minnows taking bites out of the sharks in African football. Well, the three most successful teams at the Nations Cup, Egypt, Cameroon, Ghana, 16 titles among them, all gone. Man. All gone. We have the five teams that qualified uh, at the last World Cup for Africa. All, all gone. gone. <laughs> all gone. It, it's just been, uh, it's been a great tournament. To me personally, Sonny, uh, you know, like I said, uh, Somalia is not in the AFCON, so uh, I've just been watching it from a fan perspective. Uh, U.S. is not in it either, so, you know, I don't really have a team that I'm supporting. Uh, so for me, it's been just a pleasure to watch and see these, uh, you know, David Verth Goliath stories uh, continually happening, you know, uh, day in and day out. Um, and I think what happened 
from my perspective, is just that when you see one smaller team take out a giant, the smaller teams now start thinking to themselves, we, we really can do this, right? If that team did it over there, why can't we do it? So when you have that type of, you know, mentality, that type of, uh, you know, psyche that you put into your mind, anything's possible. So uh, look to see, you know, this is not going to be easy pathway for, you know, the quote unquote folks that the teams that we expect the Nigeria, uh, you know, and Nigeria, to be honest with you, has not really been playing uh, to their level and their capability as well. They weren't in the last World Cup. Uh, so this is a team now that, you know, has a huge uh, fan base that expects a ton from them. And they haven't really been performing, but now they're starting to pick up traction. The momentum is coming up with them. And I feel like they're starting to believe in themselves again. But they have a tall task in Angola. And then moving forward beyond that, it's still not going to be an easy way to the finals. Well, Muckbill, in terms of geography, a couple of the neighbors of Ivory Coast. We mentioned Mali, which borders Ivory Coast. They're in the quarterfinals. Also, Guinea. Guinea in the quarterfinals, another neighbor of Ivory Coast. They'll be playing the Democratic Republic of Congo on Friday. Uh, How do you see that one? Big, big matchup. Uh, DRC has shown that they are a very physical team. Uh, They played Morocco and had ample opportunities to put Morocco away in that group phase that they played them. but then we look at somebody like Guinea, right? And, and Guinea really has shown us that they took away uh, their neighboring country uh, in Equatorial Guinea, uh, you know, and Equatorial Guinea was one of the hottest teams coming into the uh, coming into the, the knockout phase. So both teams look like they're ready to go to that next level. It'll just be depending on who really wants it more in that specific moment and who's able to capitalize on the few opportunities that they may get because both teams kind of play a similar style, very fast-paced, physical, running down the wings, crossing, finding openings. Uh, So tactically, they seem relatively similar, uh, but we'll see who gets the chances and who's able to capitalize. Let's take a look at the goal-scoring chart at this Nations Cup, Muck Bill. Uh, Emilio Ensue, uh, his Nations Cup is over uh, for Equatorial Guinea, but he is currently the leading AFCON goal scorer with five goals. Uh, someone we haven't talked much about at all is Dala for Angola. Uh, he has four goals at this Nations Cup, Muck Bill. And I got to believe uh, the Super Eagles will have their eyes on him on Friday. They definitely will have their eyes on him. But unfortunately for them, uh, not only him, uh, but uh, Mabululu, you know, is, is an Angolan goal scorer who also has three goals as well. And to me, I think Mabululu's goal in their last match was the best goal of the tournament. Really? Okay. It, it, it is an unbelievable angle. He's leaning to his left curling it very similar to a Thierry Henry style <laughs> you know it w- it was such a great touch and then not only was the goal spectacular his celebration and his dance that he did at the end was also really really good so shout out to Mabalulu for that uh I- I'm excited to see what not only what he does but what uh Dala does as well it's gonna be a very very long night for Nigeria <laughs> Mabalulu, I like saying yeah, that name. Mabalulu, we'll give Mabalulu a sunny side of sports salute. Uh, Thirty-one years of age, 
And as Muckbill mentioned, he's based in uh, Saudi Arabia. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He plays for Al Ittihad as a striker. Um, so yeah, I, I know he 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 is excited to have done what he has done so far. But I'm sure him and his Angolan uh, comrades do not want this to be the end of their tournament. So if he has anything to do with it, he might pull off another one, man. Finally, Muckbill. Uh, before we leave the studio, we're preparing to uh, do our third podcast, Kick It AFCON. Uh, tell our sunny side of sports listeners about uh, what we have in store for them. Yeah, this is going to be a panel of uh, some elite soccer analysts, elite, including elite. including Sonny and myself. <laughs> we'll have our colleagues, Kali Abdu and Mike Hove, and we will have a guest starring um, – Coach Sam Sam will be jumping in. Very knowledgeable. Giving us his expertise on football. He coaches, uh, I believe, young academy players right now. uh, So he will let us know about how the game is, you know, here in the States, uh, moving on up on the academy level, as well as his expertise on what he's been uh, taking from this AFCON as well. It'll be an exciting, exciting uh, episode. I don't think 30 minutes is going to be enough for us, Sonny. Uh, but we're going to have to do with what we have. And that podcast will be posted on voaafrica.com. And you can find lots of Nations Cup news there, videos, interviews, reports, all on this 34th AFCON. Thanks to my producer and VOA Nations Cup reporter, Muckville Yabaro. Thank you, Muckville. Thank you, Sonny. And I also want to thank our trusty engineer here in Studio 22, Adrius Regis. And thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and that's the sunny side of sports. I get it.